Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings and salutations. Welcome, welcome to the lines of faith-inspired expressions brought to you under the umbrella of POET Radio. Right now, we are simply doing a mic check. We will be starting the show in approximately eight minutes. Once again, we will be starting the show in approximately eight minutes. Thank you so very much for tuning in, and I do hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much, Tracy. I do see you on the line. I do appreciate you calling in early. This is Enigmatic Mahogany. Welcome to the lines. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. We will be starting the show in roughly seven minutes just to give people the opportunity to chime in. Just wanted to kind of make sure that we didn't have any type of audio issues, echo issues, anything like that. So the recording has begun. So for those that are listening to the recording, this is just the part where I might check. But once again, the show will be starting in promptly seven minutes. I want to thank you all for chiming in, downloading the show. And by all means, thank you so much, Tracy. And it'll be about roughly seven minutes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Greetings and salutations for those that are just now chiming in on the phone lines. This is Enigmatic Mahogany. We will be starting the show in roughly five minutes. Once again, that is five minutes. So if you need to go get your water, go to the restroom, any type of break you need to take, please go ahead and do so now for this show is going to be epic. It is going to be something like we've never done before. You know, we have a first time guest that we will be honoring today. So I'm extremely excited. Huntsville native, someone that I've grown up as well. So I'm going to have the opportunity to introduce you all to her. And I promise you, her story is not one that you want to miss. So once again, if you have to go to the bathroom, get you some water, sweet tea, whatever you need to do, let's go ahead and take care of that. Now we'll be starting the show in roughly four minutes.
willing to do just about anything. I'm addicted, can't you sense? I need it like my body needs air. Stand in between it if you dare. Satisfied with nothing less. The mic you have just got to bless. Each stanza infiltrates, taking me away from the sinful state. My worries begin to cease. But tonight we will share our peace through faith-inspired expressions. You will definitely get your peace. Start your week off right. In darkness, allow faith-inspired expressions to be your light. Come on now, you know you need your fix. I, Enigmatic Mahogany, am your pusher, overdosing you on faith-inspired expressions. And that is that peace. Greetings and salutations, everyone. I am Enigmatic Mahogany, your host for the evening, coming to you under the wonderful umbrella of POET Radio. People of extraordinary talent, where Black Ice is our CEO. We love, love, love him to life. I am so grateful and thankful to be able to call this man not only a CEO, but also a brother. There's a huge family in Poets. A lot of it is in Chicago, but we are all over the country and even outside of the country. With that being stated, we are also operating on here for 10 years, people. And that could not happen without each and every last one of you. So I thank you all so much for your continuous support of not only faith-inspired expressions, but the POET radio network as well. There have been several awards that have come, and we are so forever grateful, humble, and blessed for those awards. However, just as those awards belong to POET, you too make up the Poet Network. So those awards are just as much ours as they are yours. Tonight, we are definitely in for a treat. I'm extremely, extremely excited. I have the opportunity of growing up with this dynamic woman that we have on the line today. I get the opportunity to call her sister. As everyone knows, the month of March being the month of women appreciation, women history. So I said, what better way than to make sure that I honor this queen and sister? You will be hearing her voice shortly, but just to kind of give you a little background information. Tonight's future special guest is none other than Tracy Wynn. She is a minister, writer, and actor from my hometown, the city where I reside in right now, Huntsville, Alabama. And for those that are from here, you know we say Hunts Vegas. She is the founder of Beauty for Ashes Outreach Ministry. She's an acting teacher at the Maitland Conservatory. She is also the creator and director of Scenes of a Single Sister web series. Now, the reason I am so excited, however, is because tonight we're going to present her works. We're going to go over some material. She authored and published an amazing book, Storefront. And I promise you, once you get it, you will not be disappointed. However, before we bring in Tracy today, I want to share a selection that I found specifically for this specific show. Because you know, we always have to tie in poetry some way, some form, some fashion. So we're gonna allow you to kind of get prepared, get equipped, get ready for what's about to grace the mics here at Faith Inspired Expressions. Without further ado, I'm gonna introduce you, Clayton Jennings, before we bring in Tracy. I hope you enjoy. Wake up, shape up, get ready for church. We found the right one after a two-month search. We like this pastor because he doesn't curse. Our last pastor was the worst. He was so self-righteous. He looked at porn. I nearly started a riot. Satan tempted us and we were like, try us. We're the perfect family. Try us. Mr. and Mrs. Pius. And we go to church in our nice little Prius. First with the potluck there if you need us. And when the offering plate gets passed, we promise you'll see us. Look at how bad these heathens want to be us. We love our money. God we trust. Big donation means our name on the bus. Look at us, look at us. We don't go to church to worship, we go for the rush. Wake up, hungover. My girlfriend snuck over and stayed over. No way I can stay sober. I push her out the window and I tell her I'll fall. Mommy, years ago to us again, my life is now over. Are you serious? Wait till I tell Pastor Steve about this. I say whatever and slide past my mom. She says we're going to church, but I'm already gone. We live two houses down from the church. My mom works in the lobby and sells their merch. Welcome to the Holy Church of Jesus, the Nazarene Christ. If you don't earn enough money, it'll change your life. I'm trying to figure out my own. 
in and out of boys' homes. Almost any team can't wait to get treated like I'm grown. Heading to church ever since God left us alone. He ran off with the deacon's life to live down the road. And this Sunday, yeah, it's Father's Day. It's going to be awkward and all to stay. And I know 50 people are going to come up to pray. Lord, take their pain away. But it'll stay right where it is. My breathing gets heavy and I'm falling my fists. I'm done worshiping Jesus and I'm throwing this fit. These pastors can get lost. My dad can get hit. So look at me. What's the matter? I'm a guy four rows back getting yelled at by the pastor. Little does he know my whole life's a disaster. He's telling me to repent like he knew about last night. But this is Father's Day and that's not right. Why can't he tell me about who I am in God? Why does he always have to tell me who I'm not? So I don't get my fix from church. I get my fix from pot and sex a lot. I'm that kid you afford in the parking lot. Wake up feeling strange again. I'd be hard pressed to name a friend, except for this one girl who keeps inviting me to church. She wants me to go for Jesus, I'm just looking to flirt. The church was the last place I expected to be hurt. So I walked in and sat with my friend, but she's more like an acquaintance. Pastor walks up on stage and says, say this, I am who God says I am. The crowd repeats the words from the man, I will walk in my work. Man, this is turning out to be a pretty cool church, and I will stand up against sin. Okay, yeah, but this is taking a spin. And we will not tolerate wicked homosexuals in this church or in this country. Words to a lesbian, we might as well have punched me. I'm the girl in the second row slumping. Scared of getting another Bible thumping. Thought I'd hear about Jesus, but all he talked about was homosexuality. It felt like my skin was crawling out of me, especially when he said we aren't born this way. Are you doubting me? Because you don't know the pain of struggling with your identity. And you don't know how terrifying it is when you say hell was meant for me. Because I'm just a kid myself, but you scared me enough to never again touch that Bible on my shelf. I wake up feeling depressed again. It's Sunday again, so I text a friend. You want to go to church with me? She's shocked and she sends me a happy face emoji. She's been telling me I should go somewhere. She said to the church that she didn't care. They'll all be great and they'll all care. She made enough promises, so I was there. I'm the guy sitting off the side away from the crowd. I don't like to get too close to people when things get loud. My PTSD goes off and paranoia is followed by doubt. So yeah, I'm suicidal, but I'm trying to work it out. But I'm in the chair off to the side wondering if it's worth it now. Because this master keeps yelling at me like he knows me. If you have all the answers, then show me. I don't want to hear about your political opinion. I don't want to be forced into being a denominational minion. I'm just looking for a little hope. Figured I'd find it here and falls on the dope. But no, I'm feeling worse because this pastor just said PTSD and depression is a curse. And now he's saying bipolar people are demon possessed. I didn't come here to get put on blast, pushed down, and pressed. I came here to get this hopelessness up all on my chest. This is the last time I come to these church doors until I'm ready to rest. Wake up feeling nervous again. Look over my sermon notes with my brand new pen. Now all I need is my pulpit. First I pick up my Bible and I hold it. I'm reminded of my childhood and all the times I was scolded. Dad said if you quit preaching hell, then you folded. First thing I did when I was 18 was bolted straight to Bible school. I thought I was so cool, trying to be like C.H. Persian but looking like a fool. Wearing suits that didn't fit while trying to fit in. Took me sharing my testimony ten times to two men to get in. And I went to the top of my class. Every Sunday morning, I pull out the pastor mask. And I take these sinners to task. I'm going to put the devil right square in the ass. i got to be quiet about that. My congregation doesn't know I curse. A slip up for me, that would be a first. I wear my cloak of perfection. Look through my internet history. It's free for inspection. I'm ready to yell at these sinners and give them a lesson. They'll never know about the mistress I'm texting. But it's okay because I keep confessing. Not to my congregation, but to God in secret. It's like dad's dad, top dad's dad, to take it to the cross, lay it, and leave it. I've already destroyed so many lives by the time I leave it. To be honest, I never opened up the Bible or even took time to read it. I just preach it how my dad preached it. He'd yell at the gangs and he'd plead with blood and he'd yell, go red, and I'll continue that legacy now that he's dead, even though I feel dead inside. And I get so angry at these other pastors who seem so alive. What's working in their life is not working in mine. So I get online and find the time to trash everyone who preaches differently than I do. These guys preaching the Bible, they don't have a clue. They can't preach it half as good as I do. 
So I charge the pastors behind the pulpit and I fill them with a pen and I stir up the vision and I replace the amen. And I'm really just a boy trying to be a man who really wants to know the feeling of having fans instead of getting complaints about how hot Sunday school is and not having fans. I'm the pastor who hates his neighbor and runs his mouth. I'll stay in this little church until they run me out. I grew up in church pews too. I've experienced the same kind of hurt like a whole lot of you, and we gotta choose whether we're going to continue the cycle of abuse, or if we're really gonna get real and just let loose. Because I'm tired of being church hurt, and I'm tired of slander like murder, and I'm tired of gossip, and I'm tired of me. God, what did you create the church to be? Because right now it's not making a whole lot of sense to me, but it's made sense for me. Going on half a century, I get clicks in the church world when you mention me. Grew up to reach a lot of people like it was meant to be. Met people around the world like it was meant for me. Walked straight into the devil like he was sent for me. He harassed me like he was into me. I know what it's like to be tormented. I know what it's like to be gossiped to be mentioned. I know what it's like to be cast away and set aside. I know what it's like to see someone called out while other people slide. I've seen the hypocrisy and I've been a hypocrite too. Dear church, I'm trying everything I can to not give up on you, but I've been a witness to so many years of spiritual abuse. That voice of doubt, I can hear it when I lose. That voice of uncertainty, I can hear it when I choose. That voice of harassment, I drink it when I snooze, and I can't wake up. I'm the kid who grew up in the church and got hurt a lot. So if you think you're the only one hurt by the church, you're not. But I'm not giving up on God because people gave up on me. Peace in my life, please pray that for me. I'm the kid who wants to run from the church, but's too afraid to leave. Has that been your story? Has that been your tale? Whether it be you, a friend, a family member, church hurt. And that's why it's so very important that we bring to the stage, bring to the airwaves, storefronts, very own Miss Tracy Bailey. Greetings and salutations. Welcome, welcome to the show, Miss Tracy. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. It is definitely a blessing and an honor to have you here today. And you speak on something that unfortunately a lot of people are afraid to speak of, something that they may get bashed about speaking of. But before we jump in and dive in, I do want to make sure that we touch bases, number one, on some things that you're doing outside of authoring this amazing book. I have the opportunity of purchasing this book, actually, at our Black Author pop-up shop here in Huntsville, Alabama. Absolutely amazing read. Once I started, I just could not stop. So we'll definitely get the information out to everyone where they can go to purchase the book and how they can support you. But with that being stated, beyond an author, you are a minister, actor, founder of Beauty for Ashes, as well as an acting teacher. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit back here for us right now. So it's kind of odd people would think that, hey, she's a minister, but you're talking about church hurt. Maybe they think it's an mm -hmm. oxymoron. Let's get back to where you first began your ministership. When exactly did that begin for you? Or exactly when did you know that that was something that you wanted to indulge into? Uh, as far as ministry, um, when I was in college, actually my first year in college, I was um, just trying to find myself. I grew up in church. I'm a church kid and had been in church, you know, since I was born. But when I got to college, I started attending this Bible study, and I realized I didn't know God. I had been baptized and, you know, been a part of church activities, but I really didn't know God. And the picture that I had of him in my mind was not correct. And the picture I had of salvation was not correct. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know any word or anything like that. And so, Going to this Bible study, I, I say, you know, I want to really get to know God for real. And so as I study more, pray more, got closer to him, he's, I just started, you know, getting these um, checks in my spirit. And God was, he told me he was 
shaping me because he wanted to use me. I'm like, use me, <laughs> you know? And um, <laughs> he started talking to me about women's ministry. And, you know, I'm a child. I, I didn't even want to get up and say an Easter speech. I didn't want to pray out loud over my food. So, you know, to, to think about, you know, going, going into ministry, I'm like, what, what does that entail? You know, <laughs> like, am I going to have to talk to people? Because I'm not sure. Because, you know, acting is one thing, but then, <laughs> you know, outside of that, I'm like, I don't know. Because, you know, I was shy. But, um, you know, I just started taking these steps, and then I ended up in the church that, uh, the one that I talk about in storefront, and that's the church where I received my uh, ministry license, and I started Beauty for Ashes Outreach Ministry. And so I just and let you me know, touch on this real quick, Tracy. I wanted to definitely touch on this because a lot of people on the line may be wondering, you know, growing up in a church family, growing up going to church Sundays, Wednesday nightly Bible study, things of that nature, revival. You've been baptized, but you said you got to a point in college where you realized that you really didn't know God for yourself. So I would like for you to kind of expound upon that because a lot of individuals grow up with their parents going to church and they believe, hey, because mom and them say that's the way, that's the way I just follow mm -hmm. through. So when did that mm -hmm. realization really hit for you? What did it take for you to know that, hey, I really don't know him for myself? Well, for one thing, um, I got very close to one of the teachers at the Bible study. She was a fellow college student, but she was about three years older than me. So she had, you know, kind of lived a bit more, and she was further along in her spiritual journey. And so I was talking to her one night after Bible study, and she, she had been talking about the Holy Spirit. And I realized I had never even heard about the Holy Spirit. And I said, what was that you were talking about earlier? You know, and she started, you know, just talking to me about uh, the Holy Spirit and how uh, he's our God and how he'll help us and he'll help us to live for God. Because before that, you know, I felt like when I, when I got baptized, I'm like, that's just fire insurance. I honestly just wanted to stay out of hell. But I didn't know outside of that I could actually have an intimate relationship with God and I didn't know that there that I could live right. I didn't know that. I I didn't know that there was a, a a certain standard that the Lord expected of me, you know, being his child. I thought you just got baptized and then, you know, you just go on until you died and you go to heaven be with the Lord. Or I said, if I do decide to live right, I'll wait from about my grandma's age. You know what I done did everything I want to do. And then I'll settle down, you know. <laughs> like then I'll sit down and read the Bible and, and see what's going on. But, you know, I was young and, you know, I got baptized when I was 16, I believe. And it seemed like after I got baptized, I got worse. Just, you know, running up down the street mm. with people I had no business knowing. And But that's because I'm like, well, I got fire insurance now. I ain't going to hell. So I can do whatever I want. <laughs> And, you know, my thinking was so wrong. It was so wrong. And so when I met her and I saw, you know, she was just a few years older than me and she was really living for God. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, <laughs> how can you not do all these other things? And, you know, being the age you are. And she, she's like, you know, God helps me. She's like, I'm not perfect. And she let me know that. And that helped me, too, because I'm just like, Lord, I can't be perfect. And then I found out he didn't even expect that of me. He just wanted me to to strive to be who who he needed me to be in him. And, you know, it's a journey. You know, it's not an overnight thing. It's a journey. Even now, you know, you still have to get up every day and be like, Lord, help me. You know, I, I didn't mean to, you know, say that to that person. You have to help me. And that's the thing the Holy Spirit will bring that conviction where before I was living without him, I didn't have any conviction. I could talk to people any kind of way, do anything. I didn't feel bad, felt no guilt, no remorse. But once I started having that relationship with God, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, <laughs> and I would feel bad. So, you know, it, it it changed my life, just really getting getting close to God. And you know what? As we are going on, Tracy, I'm just getting further intrigued beyond the statements that you're making, because there are two very powerful things that you mentioned that I do want to kind of hit home on a little bit. You know, a lot of times people feel like God won't forgive me. I'm not perfect. You know, I, I want you to kind of touch upon that from a ministry standpoint, as well as the statement that you made, you know, a lot of times as young people, we've been there, 
You know, we'll get baptized, but you know, we'll get to grandma, granddaddy age before we start living right. How is that important for individuals and youth today? And I say that, and I believe it's very important today, Tracy, because just last night, well, I believe it was last night or the night before, um, there was a teenager in our area. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. It was a 17-year-old child that yes, unfortunately yes. got he turned down to my daughter's school. Mm-hmm. And see, I can be- imagine that he probably felt like he had his whole life ahead of him. So death has no age. Death has no race. Right. And of course, like now into the things that are going on with COVID, things are kind of slowing down, I guess you could say. But people are leaving this world left and right. So tomorrow is absolutely not promised. And we have to ensure that we are living our blessed life, which will indeed be our best life. I hear a lot of people say, I'm going to live my best life. And I tell them, nah, see, I'm going to live my blessed life because, see, I want to be able to get over that gate. I want to hear that greeting. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So I would definitely love for you to touch upon those two vantage points from a ministry standpoint. But those that may be listening, there may be some young people on the line like, man, I got my whole life. I ain't talking about doing right. You know, I got I got to I'm 20 something or 40 something or 40 something, whatever the case may be. They may think they have it all panned out ahead of them. Or they may say, hey, I've done this. I've done that. I'm not worthy. God will never forgive me. God will never welcome me into his arms. So if you could just kind of touch upon those two areas, Tracy. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, grace. That's the word, grace. We have to to accept that, that God has grace and mercy towards us and also show grace to ourselves. Because I um I know so many times, oh goodness, especially <laughs> when I was in college, <laughs> oh my goodness. I um I would come in some nights from, you know, being out in the streets acting a fool. And I was just waiting for <laughs> the Lord, I was just crying. And I'm like, Lord, I ain't gonna never get it together. Like, why you even love me? I'm like, I'm worthless. <laughs> I just I'm out here acting crazy. If my parents knew how I was living, they would be mortified. You know, I was living a double <laughs> life, and people didn't know, they didn't know who I was. In a, in another, I didn't know who I was. I was out here lost, mm. but I knew, I knew I wanted to be better, though. I knew I wanted to be better for God, for my parents, for myself, because I knew I had more to offer to the world. I knew that, that God made me for some reason, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I may not have felt it at that point, but I'm like, I, you brought me here for some reason to do something. And and I would just feel so bad. And um, a person I I really studied a lot back then was David, you know, King David and all the things he did. But God still talked about him so highly. You know, he called him the apple of his eye. And this man did all kind of crazy things. And so I, I think we have, have to, you know, not beat ourselves up, but just look at it as a journey and look at it as a process and trust that, you know, God says he will complete the work he began in you. He will. And that's a promise. And so, you know, you don't you don't have to say, well, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let go and just do whatever because it's not gonna work out. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. And also, um, you know, like you were talking about the young the young man and, you know, other young people, you know, that that's it. Tomorrow is not promised. And I know when I was out there, I thought I was invincible. I was in some situations where I know it was God to cover me. I shouldn't have came out alive, but God. And it, it could have went any kind of other way. And my parents could have been picking up my body from somewhere and people coming around, you know, seeing me at Royal Funeral Home. That That's mm-hmm. what could have happened, but God. And so I say that to say, don't take life for granted whatever you need to do put your hands to it that's for anybody even if it's just becoming becoming better within yourself finding your identity getting getting close to god fulfilling your purpose living your dreams because i mean you know like you said it's, it's not promise we have all these plans and things you know you don't know if you're gonna live through the next five minutes so what do you want to be said about your life what kind of memory do you want to leave? You want to leave a bad taste in, in somebody's mouth? You want to leave knowing that you, you did what you could? You know what I'm saying? 
We have to think about these things. It's real out here. And I couldn't have said it better, Tracy. And at the end of the day, when people live their life, and I actually recall back in school an assignment that we were provided where we had to write our own obituary. You know, people were looking like real shocked, like, why would I write my own obituary? But it puts us in the main mind mm -hmm. frame of how we want to be remembered, what legacy we mm -hmm. want to leave behind for our friends and family. So I think that's very key and very profound. At this time, we've kind of spoken to the ministry standpoint. We've also spoken to a couple of things as it relates to church hurt. We're going to dive a little bit deeper, but I also would like to give you the opportunity to speak to some of the additional hats that you do wear. One of the most important, of course, being mother and definitely how your ministry <laughs> plays in with your child. And also, of course, in regards to being an acting teacher, because not only do you have the ability to be able to touch your own child, but the children of many across the Huntsville area. So I definitely want to give you the opportunity yeah. to speak to those platforms as well, Tracy. Well, yeah, that, that's that's my first ministry, my family. I'm proud wife, proud mother. And um, as you said, I've been able to teach my children and um you know, other other children and other adults in the area. And that, that is my passion. I've I've been acting since I was fourteen. I did it before then, but they called it class clown. But <laughs> I, I brought I, <laughs> I officially became an actress at fourteen. And uh, I've been acting ever since. And so I am a drama excuse me, a certified drama teacher through Eagles International Training Institute out of Dallas, Texas. And um, I've used that certification to teach others the skills that I've learned as an actress. And that, that is one of my passions, just teaching. I love being able to, to coach an actor and bring a performance out of them that they didn't even know they had in them. It's, it's nothing like it. So that, that's one of my great loves. And I believe that is a beautiful thing, Tracy, because you said something that just really rang bells with me. And that's when a lot of times individuals don't see the talent that they have. They're not aware of the gift they have. And you're able to draw mm -hmm. that out of them. You're able to help yeah. them be able to mature that gift. So I believe that is an amazing attribute that you do have within yourself. So in a whole nutshell, everything that you do is in ministry. It's in service. What I want to do now, now that we got a little bit about you, you know, we went back a little back in history, but I want to make sure that we highlight for the remainder of the evening that we highlight storefront. Now, my goal is this. My goal is not to tell the people on the line that may be listening live or listening to the feedback after the show. I don't want them to give them the whole book because, see, we just want to give them a teaser. We want to make them go yeah. and buy the book. So all you do giving the whole story dialogue. I'm not even going to let y'all get that for free. You got the support. And that's what it's all about, being able to support the artist, the gift, and the craft. So I'd like to kind of go back to when you decided in your journey, in your life, Tracy, that you wanted to compose this message to be able to communicate with the masses through Storefront. Okay, yeah. Um, around 2012 is when I was... Um, on the, the healing part of my journey. The year before was the real realization and the acknowledgement when I finally just came to terms with what happened. And that was about a year after, you know, everything, you know, uh, came to a close with that particular church. And uh, the year that I was just healing and, oh, goodness, uh, you know, just just basically trying to trying to put the pieces back together I just I started writing some things out and it was therapy for me. And so then one day I'm I was like, hmm, I can make this into a book. And maybe it can help other people, you know? Because you mm -hmm. know, I grew up hearing about cults and things and you know, I'll just be honest, I I didn't see a lot of black voices when it came to that type of talk. You know, I was I would see white people. And so I'm like, wouldn't that be something for, you know, a, a black woman to come out and say, hey, it happened to me too, because you just don't really see that. And and I, I realized that God was giving me a new platform because I decided, I'm like, now that I'm free, I'm not going to be silent. 
Nobody will make me be silent ever again. Nobody will cut off my voice ever again. And I'm telling this, I'm going to tell the truth. And it wasn't to to make a tell-all, you know, to drag anybody through the mud or anything like that. It was just, just to to tell my truth and set and help set others free. Because sometimes you can be in that situation and you, you know, you got your blinders on and you're bound and, you know, you know something is wrong, but you don't quite know what to call it. And I'm like, I'll tell you what it is. It's a cult. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, let's just call it what it is. It's very key that you're able to acknowledge and be able to determine the stage in which you're coming from. And the thing is, Tracy, a lot of times, you're correct when they start speaking about cults, very rare do you hear it from the African-American population. So I think definitely mm-hmm. that God placed something in to be able to ensure that there was an increase, make sure that there was an acknowledgement. So we are going to dig deep. We are going to dive into the cult just to kind of give everyone an opportunity to kind of hear the warning signs of what to look for when there may possibly be a cult. But before we go there, we're going to take a quick musical (laughs) interlude break and then we will be coming right back to Tracy. So stay tuned so you can figure out what cults are all about. And could it be you? Could it be a friend or family member that's experiencing it? You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned, everyone. yourself hurt, angry, insecure, pissed off, sick, unwanted, confused, stressed, irritated, distressed, outcast, forgotten, scared, hateful, confused, sick as it comes to the church. If so, 
you may have very well encountered church hurt. For those of you that are just now chiming in on the lines, you are now a part of Faith Inspired Expressions. I am your host, Enigmatic Mahogany, coming to you under the wonderful umbrella of P-O-E-T, People of Extraordinary Talent, where tonight we have been in for a treat. We've gotten to speak from a ministry standpoint, mom standpoint, teacher standpoint, and now we are going to dig a little bit further into the storefront. Before our brief musical interlude that you heard this evening, which was chosen, Church Hurt, and I thought that was very timely and very appropriate for this evening's show, there was an introduction to cults. So I definitely want to take the time, because in the African-American community, that's something that we very rarely hear, but it happens. And we want you to be educated. We want you to be insightful. We want you to know the signs to look for in regards to a cult. So let's get my friend, my sister, this queen, Tracy, back on the line. Tracy, thank you so very much again for your transparency and your honesty and being willing to share your experience here today. Now, I know within your book, there were 10 signs of cult spiritual abuse that you did list. I didn't know if you wanted to go into all of them or just a few, but I definitely wanted to give you the opportunity to speak to those signs so that people can know what to look for. Yeah, um, we can go into a few of them. It's no problem. All right. Uh -oh. No, one that I think that, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, the one I was going to say that kind of stood out to me because a lot of times they'll say, well, if they're so good to me, how is it possible they could be a court and trying to control me? So I think this is one of the key ones that we should focus on. And of course, we can focus on a few of the others, because like I said, we're not going to give you all the nuggets, y'all. Y'all got to buy the book to get all the nuggets of wisdom that she has. But one that stood out to me was love bombing. So let the callers on the line, those listening, know what love bombing is and how that truly impacted you throughout your journey. Yeah, that, uh, that's that's the one that I wanted to go to. That's the number one. When when I got in, into that church, I, um, you know, I was just still, you know, like in a searching place, and I knew I wanted to do some things for the Lord. And I wanted some friends because, you know, I left my friends behind and on the other path. And so I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to live with you, and I want to be around some like-minded people. And when I got there, they just they embraced me right off. It's like I have, I have been a part of that church for years. You know, just the first day I met these people, I, I was hanging out with them. And, you know, everybody was like, when are you coming back? We're going to miss you. And then throughout that week, people were texting me, hey, I hope everything's going well. I was just checking on you. And I'm like, wow, I've never been to a church like this where you actually, you know, you're talking to people outside of the church and, they're, they're checking up with you, and not, not just a couple of people. I'm talking about, like, everybody. Everybody is like, hey, what's going on with you? You want to hang out when you come back come back to Atlanta next weekend? And, and it just warmed my heart. I'm like, wow, you know, I can have some good Christian friends. And, that, you know, that's, that's how they drew me in, you know, basically bombing you with love. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, see, sometimes that love can be derived with a motive. So something that you definitely want to keep your eye open to. I definitely tell people all the time to pray, not necessarily for things to go your way, but for the spirit of discernment. And that will definitely guide through that process and phase. The next one that I think is very important, now they're all important by all means, everyone. But these are ones that I think that we very rarely look to. And one of them is being don't ask, don't talk. Definitely within the African-American community, there's so many things that are done that we sweep up under the rug. A lot of times where we don't even admit that we need counseling, things of that nature. So if you could kind of expound upon don't ask, don't talk. Tracy, are you still there? Hello, Tracy. Tracy, can you still hear me? I do believe that Tracy is driving. Um, so what I will do while we're waiting for her to chime back in, it looks like her call just dropped. But being that I've read the book, everyone, 
I have had the opportunity to go into the don't ask, don't talk perspective. And don't ask, don't talk is a tactic that is used by controlling pastors to ensure loyalty from the members at all times. At her former church, people who asked questions or voiced their concerns were seen as rebels causing trouble. From time to time, someone like this would join the ministry and leave a few months later because they were just simply too frustrated. And when Tracy actually joined, she was one of those people. Finally, it took her realizing that not talking to anybody about her concerns was the best way to keep peace and not cause trouble, even if she had to suffer in silence. And I think that's very key because Tracy even mentioned now that she will not be silenced. Her voice will be heard. She also proved her loyalty by keeping quiet when questioned about things that were going on in the church by outsiders. Therefore, she would vaguely answer questions if she even answered them at all. She was taught to cover their leader no matter what. That's why she constantly found herself defending the leadership at her church. Even after her pastor died, it took a while for her to speak about what happened at the church because she felt like she was betraying him. So even beyond his death, she still felt that weight upon her. So this is another symbol signal that you can look for in regards to church hurt and cults as well. The last one that I wanted to touch upon is disfellowship because we touched on love bombing. So let's go to the flip side of it. Let's go to disfellowship, okay? So with disfellowship, it occurs when someone leaves the ministry or is put out by the pastor. The remaining church members have to behave as if the person has died. In their church, they had to erase the former members' numbers and not have any contact with them whatsoever. Her pastor was the only one who could remain in contact with them after they left. And see, according to her pastor, anyone who was no longer a member was referred to as a bastard since he or she no longer had a father. However, that person could be received again if he or she repented to the pastor and the church during church service. So how do you go from love bombing? You, you, you love me. You want me around you all the time. You want to stand beside me. But then when I do something that you don't like, you disown me and I am now identified as a bastard. These are just three of the steps right now in identifying the church hurt cults. There's a total of 10. So I've given you just a teaser, but you will have to go and support the book, support the ministry in order to get the rest. One thing I wanted to also segue into as we wait for Tracy to get back on the lines is in regards to, hey, well, they preach from the Bible, but you all have heard before of, you know, how people take the scripture and they make it their own. They apply it to how they want. So I want to touch upon that, but we actually do have Tracy back. Tracy, I don't know how much you've heard, but I went over the don't ask, don't talk. And I've also went over disfellowship. And what I wanted to kind of tie into now, because I'm sorry, go ahead, Tracy. I know I'm saying thank you. I'm not sure what happened, but thank you. I'm back. No worries. Well, we are glad to have you back. This is one thing I kind of want. I was actually about to jump into and I'll allow you to proceed with it. But a lot of times people okay. say, well, if they're preaching from the Bible, it has to be true. But the thing is, people at times interpret the Bible for it to apply to them, to make it for their best interest. So I know that within your book, you talked about various scriptures that were actually utilized to justify the actions of the pastor, justify the things that he was doing, the way that he was making members of the congregation feel. So I wanted to definitely touch upon some of those verses and scriptures that were key that you remember throughout your journey at the storefront. So what were maybe two of those verses that you can call to mind today that really became the explanation, the roadmap of you justifying what the pastor was doing because you didn't want to disappoint them? Uh, first and foremost, the uh, obey those that have rule over you. That That's a scripture that <laughs> he talked about a lot. You know, he, he wanted total obedience. 
because he, he taught us that obedience to him was obedience to God. He knew how much I wanted to please God more than anything. And so that was drummed into me. It's like, okay, if you want to please God, make sure you please the man of God so that, that you know, God will accept you. Because at the end of the day, that's what I wanted, love and acceptance and, and God's approval. And um, we, we had a, a works-based faith, you know. It's like, you know, you, you work to earn God's love. It's not that God just loves you. And then if you do something wrong, he don't love you anymore. So do something for the pastor, and he'll love you again. He'll accept you again. And that was just part of the brainwashing. And also, um, what was the other one? Oh, uh, open rebuke is better than secret love. And so that was another one. Whenever he would go off on somebody, during church service over the microphone and put all their business out, you know, in public. He always used that scripture to, to justify because he's like, well, the Bible says I should openly rebuke you. So I, sh- I shouldn't keep that a secret. If, if I love you, then I should publicly openly yes. rebuke you to make, to make you uh, come back into right standing with God, which, you know, that is total manipulation. Absolutely. And that's, I want, I'm very glad that you actually brought that particular scripture up, definitely being that we've touched upon love bombing and disfellowship. How does that even coincide and go together? So for those, and it may not be you personally on the phone line, it may be a colleague, a friend, or a relative that may be experiencing these things. And also, like you said previously as well, sometimes it's that they prey upon certain individuals as well. And, yes, and not necessarily yes. that you're weak-minded, but where you are in life. I know you mentioned as there was movement of the church, different name changes of the church. A lot of times the new individuals that were recruited were college students. So probably their first time away from home, first little bit of independence. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to kind of speak to the college students and those maybe that are from broken homes, um, seems like that they would be an easy prey as well when it comes to cults, because at the end of the day, everyone wants to feel loved. Everyone wants to feel appreciated and that they're a part of something, not necessarily that they're weak, but they just want to feel like they belong. So can you speak to those college students, those individuals that may have come from a broken home or may have not had the Crystal Rose background history that may very well get easily susceptible to something such as a cult. Yes, definitely. Um, you know that that's a very vulnerable group. I know when when I was in college, uh, I saw a few people get caught up in some groups, and I actually had a friend. Uh, she stopped speaking to me because of the church that she was going to. She wasn't allowed to uh, talk to anybody outside of that church. And I was just like, wow, what's that about, you know? And the next thing I know, I was in the same thing. And that just shows, you know, it's so easy for it to, to happen because I always said nothing like that could happen to me. You know, you have to be crazy or, you know, dumb or, you know, i like, how can mm-hmm. that happen? But, you know, now I, I have so much compassion for for people that I see that are going through things like that or have been through it. Because I know, I'm like, you know, we, we should not judge people that get caught up in those situations. Because for all of me, you know, saying that all those years that that would happen to me, time I got into a, vul- a vulnerable place, that's when it happened. And my guard was down. He moved right in. He saw that on me. He saw the desperation. He saw that that uh, willingness to, to please. And he saw how much, you know, I wanted God. And he used that as a weapon against me. You know, he prayed on that for real. And so, you know, I would tell anybody that that's, uh, you know, in that college age, you know, just just be aware, you know, know, know the word, listen to your folks. When your parents talking to you, listen, <laughs> please. Because, you mm-hmm. know, my parents always say, you don't listen. Because, you know, I thought I knew everything. But a newsflash, you don't know anything. At 18, 19, you think, okay, I'm grown. Yeah, you legally grown, but you really don't know what's going on out here for real. You know what I'm saying? Most most of the time at that age. And, you know, people can get over on you. So, you know, when your family starts saying, hey, I don't know about these people you hanging around, listen to them. 
Because, you know, they're not going to tell you anything crazy. I know mine wouldn't. But, you know, because they, they saw some things and they tried to talk to me, but we had already been conditioned not to listen to our parents at that church. Because it's like they, they don't know God like you do, but why would you listen to them? And, you know, planting those kind of seeds, trying to cause division between me and my family. And the pastor couldn't stand that even after all that, I still was close to my family. You know, everybody else had left their family alone, cut them off, moved away, and, you know, really wouldn't have nothing to do with them. And that's one thing that mm-hmm. I do separate me from my folks. And I believe that's, that's one of the things that kept me from going even further in some things in that church, like, you know, some other people, is because they couldn't, they couldn't get me away from home. And I'm very glad that you were able to stand against that. Today, this evening, we have discussed and provided a teaser to each of you on the phone lines for Storefront. We've spoken about Tracy, and she's an amazing queen. However, even myself as an author, I realize that in order for something of this stature to come to fruition, we must have a team. And she had an amazing team with God, of course, being at the forefront. She thanks her family. And I appreciate that acknowledgement to her family, her sister circle. So I want to get a shout out live on the air to Renita, Lakeitha, Latissa, Dominique for pushing her to finish her journey. Yolanda, Tony, a dear friend as well. Another queen sis, the editor for this amazing book, Jesse Hips, for designing the cover photo. When I tell y'all, it's an eye catcher. Y'all going to love it. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Um, also to actually thank the pastors. Bonda Draper-Morissette, Pastor Jonathan Bumpus, Minister Tiffany Bumpus, and the Redemptive Power AOH family. This book was made available through each of them aiding in the journey. Through this book, you will determine trading chains for chains. Do I stay or do I leave? Making moves. Change is coming, but are we faithful? Sometimes it's just time to say goodbye in those 10 signs of spiritual abuse. So as you can see, this book dissects church hurt via the storefront, gives you tips, things to look for, allows you to be able to relate. So make sure you check her out. No, Tracy, what I definitely want to give you the opportunity of doing is letting everyone on the line know where they can get their own copy of Storefront, because I got my autographed copy, but let them know how they can get theirs, as well as how they should go about following you on your social media platforms as well. Yes, of course. A Storefront, telling a small place, is available on Amazon. I also have copies on hand if you're local in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, you can follow me on Facebook under Tracy A. Bailey. And on Instagram, uh, Sincerely Tracy, as well as Kingdom Woman 84. Again, it's Tracy A. Bailey on Facebook. On Instagram, it's Sincerely Tracy or Kingdom Woman 84. Tracy, I do thank you so very much once again for your transparency, your time, for you allowing God to stir up a gift inside of you to be able to communicate this message to those near and far. It is greatly appreciated. You are definitely a woman of wisdom and I applaud you. You will be the last voice that everyone hears as far as voice wise. There will be one final selection that will be played this evening. So with that being stated, I wanna thank everyone for tuning in. I want to make sure that you all tune in for the remainder of the week. You all know P-O-E-T is here all week. This is what we do on tomorrow's show. However, it's Voices Behind the Pen the Poetry Open Mic Show, where I will be on the line, as well as our wonderful CEO, Black Ice, and fellow host as well. We thank you for taking the time to join us and celebrate this dynamic queen this evening. Once again, this is Enigmatic Mahogany signing out. The final voice that you will hear will be from Miss Tracy Bailey, our special future guest. And the last thing that you will hear is a message melodically that's just for you. No matter the church hurts, no matter what you've been through, this song will be for you. Tracy, you do have the mic. All right. I just want to thank you so much, Queen, for this opportunity. I've been so excited ever since you contacted me about, you know, coming on and sharing. And you don't know what this means to me. You know, we go way back. We go back to ASFL. And I'm just That's so cool. proud of the, the woman that, that you have become. You inspire me so much. And I look forward to more collaboration.
Absolutely. Well, Tracy, God did this and he'll do it for each of you. I hope everyone enjoys this track. And again, good night. When everyone else around can only see the worst in me. I wish I had a witness tonight. Said he saw the best in me. I guess I'm going to get this testimony. When everyone else around can only see the worst in me. Can I tell you one more time? I said, he saw the worst in me. When everyone else around can only see the worst in me. All I need is one. He saw the worst in me. All right, everyone, giving you a teaser of he saw the best in me. No matter where life takes you, no matter what tragedy, trial, or tribulation comes your way, I just want you to know that he sees the best in you, and I do too.
as you can see, everyone, no matter what you've been through, no matter the church hurt, no matter the church humiliation, he sees the best in you. I know I said that track was going to be the final thing, but I was just led to relay and share that message with you. You are so very powerful. You are so very worthy. You are more than enough. Ensure that you love you the most. This is Enigmatic Mahogany signing out tonight, everyone. Good night, peace, and blessings. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.